Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's Bible study is entitled Creation or Evolution, Part 2. So we're going to be in, in the book of uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be uh, all over the place. Uh, we're going to be going to Romans. We're going to be going several places and putting some things together and, and uh, looking at some things that come from other places as well. This is a study of creation versus evolution, or comparing the two. What does the Bible have to say? Does it say anything? Does it, is there a way, which is what I believe for a long time, that you could wed evolution and creation? Because it's possible that God created in not just not 24-hour consecutive days, he created over millions and millions of years. Uh, I got a biology degree from Texas A&M University, and Texas A&M was a great experience, except for my biology classes were all basically atheists. Uh, and also evolutionists, which aren't necessarily the same thing. Uh, but I, so I, I began to kind of, um, what's the word, assimilate the two together, uh, thinking maybe, you know, I mean, I, don't, I didn't care as long as how God created, as long as he created. I, you know, I, I thought I was being faithful to the scriptures. I found out that what that demonstrated about me was that either, that one, I didn't know the scriptures, and two, I didn't understand evolution. In fact, I didn't understand either one of them. Because when I came to understand both of them, I realized you're going to have to pick one. Uh, you cannot walk, this fence is uh, really, really wide, like millions of miles apart from each other, this, this fence is. You cannot ride it. So you're going to have to pick one, as we saw last time. You're going to have to believe one, because neither can be proven. No such thing. This is not science against religion. This is two religions, honestly. Because if you say you believe it, you're telling me you have a faith. And a faith, well... That's your religion. So either you believe what the Bible has to say, or you do not, or you believe what evolution has to say, or you do not, but you cannot prove them. Now, I will say you can look at the evidence and get enough proof for you to believe them, but that is not the same as proving them. So don't, don't mix the two up. So let's, let's begin together. We're going to pray together, of course, because this is a Bible study more than it is anything else. And we're asking God's help and presence because he's the one that delivers from deception, which I think evolution is a massive one, um, and from darkness, which is of, of uh, where our world is today. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you. We submit ourselves to you, God. We confess to you, God, that uh, we're incapable of knowing the truth apart from your intervention, apart from you bringing light to us. We're not enlightened, enlightened ourselves. We were born into sin. We were born into darkness. We were born into deception. We have hearts uh, that deceive us. Uh, we don't have to have the devil intervening in our lives. Our own hearts are deceptive and, and lie to us, God. We absolutely uh, know that we're completely dependent upon you. We're, we're, we're poverty people when it comes to spiritual things. And so if anything we have that is worthwhile of of benefit, of value. It's because of you and because of your intervention in our lives. We're asking you, God, to intervene uh, today uh, to teach us your truth. And every time we open the scriptures, God, help our eyes to see. Thank you, God. Bless our time together. Uh, bless those who are listening uh, some other place, some other way. Uh, God, we ask collectively uh, that we be able to see what you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time we were together, we saw that in order to be science, it has to be both observable and repeatable, which eliminates evolution, because you've never had one of the chickens in your yard, which you wouldn't want it to, because the eggs are worth too much now, turn into your dog. You've not been down to the beach and seen a fish crawl up with legs. So it's not observable. It's not repeatable. What I mean by observable is not just, you can't just say, I saw it, but you have to help me see it. Does that make sense? So it has to be something that happens on more than, more than one occasion. Like I said, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is observable, it's repeatable, it's, it's, it's scientific uh, uh, in the strict sense. But evolution, because it is neither observable nor repeatable, it is a belief system that looks at the evidence, which they're absolutely welcome to do, and interprets it through a bias filter, which they're absolutely welcome to do. There's not a human that's not. Science, science, scientists are not unbiased. They're human. Uh, they're liars, like all of you and me. They're sinners. Uh, they have an agenda, just like all of us do. They are susceptible to forces that they cannot see, just like we are. And so be careful uh, that you not exalt science to some level that, that it doesn't belong. They are not God. Uh, they do not hold the corner on the truth. 
they are not necessarily smarter than you. What is science? It's stuff that you see. The stuff that you know that I can't talk you down from is stuff that you personally experience. You've seen it. You repeated it. We got farmers. We got ranchers here. We got business people here. Stuff that you know that works and doesn't work. And the reason why you know it is because you've seen it go. That's a science, if you will. You've, you've observed it. We got mathematicians here. We have all kinds of things. And so, so what is science? Again, you have to observe it. It has to be repeatable. Anytime anyone asks you to believe something, though, that is not science. It, it's an oxymoron to say, as I've heard people say, I believe in science. You can't say that. Well, you can. But that's an oxymoron. Because science is not something that you need to believe. Science is just simply facts. Just facts. If I have to believe it, it, it by definition cannot be science. If, if, uh, if, if you tell me that I have to believe it, it by definition cannot be science. It's, it's an oxymoron. Don't, don't be a moron, okay? Uh, it's okay to believe stuff. Obviously, here we are in church. I'm asking. I'm going to ask you to believe things for sure. Uh, math, of course, is a part of science. But we, we've seen that with all with all evolutionary uh, research and millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands, if not uh, more, um, papers and books written on evolution, we still only have this as a conclusion through unknown chemicals in the primordial past. They work through unknown processes, which no longer exist, but nevertheless could produce unknown life forms, which are not to be found, but could through unknown reproduction methods spawn new life in an unknown atmospheric condition, an unknown atmospheric soup at the unknown time and place. That is evolution. That is not science. Now, you're free to believe that, but that is not science. Evolution's equation works like this. Nobody times nothing equals everything. Now, you can believe that. Here's, here's, here's another one. You're going to have to believe this one as well. This is God's equation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's your full explanation. Take it or leave it. Either you believe it or you don't. But, but, but let me just say, especially with regards to the things of God, don't feel free to make it say something it doesn't say. Because if anything else is true about the Bible, I will tell you this. God fiercely guards his word. Don't change it. Say you don't believe it, that's your business. But when you start changing it, I'm telling you, you're getting into God's business. You won't like how he handles himself. He, he does not appreciate you changing what he says. Let it say what it says. If, if what God says does not mean what it says, then there is no way for us to know what it says. <laughs> there is not a way. If, it, if you tell me it doesn't mean what it clearly does say, then what you say it means is, un, is meaningless to me. Because you have an insight that no one else has into the mind of God, and he hasn't revealed to anyone else, and you know, I, I guess you're somebody special. Um, you know, you can think that. Math is a part of science. It's just a matter of, is, is this actually science? No, it's not. It's definitely not. We saw last time also, uh, the, if the first seven chapters of Genesis, in particular the first three chapters, are not true, then there's no way you can say that any of the rest of the Bible is dependable, especially not the Gospels. Because Jesus predicated his ministry on the writings of, Ma of, writing of Moses, among other things, was in no way indicated they were, they were not true. Among other things was the book of Genesis. So either Moses was right and Jesus was right, based his life and ministry on it, or the whole thing is false. Again, you have to decide. You have to find where you fall. So we have two options with regard to Genesis. Either you believe it or you do not. But it's dishonest to say that you believe the Bible and then to turn around and not believe the Bible. You follow, follow that? It's very logical. All right. So, so evolution, as I've said before, is taught as a theory, and I think that's a huge stretch, personally. Uh, because I think in order to be a theory, it has to be plausible. It has to be some plausibility, and I, I think evolution has been demonstrated to be implausible, and here's the reasons why. So creation, in a sense, is a theory, right? That's a theory because I can't prove it. I can't prove it in the natural, and again, I told you last time, don't look for a supernatural explanations inside the natural. By definition, they are not natural. So if you look inside the natural, the, the, the orders of science, if you will, you will not find an explanation for it. The same is true with evolution. They're asking you to believe in supernatural. There's not going to be an explanation for that. It cannot be proven. But I would, and I, and so in, in the strict sense that you could say that they're, they're, a, um, they're, they're, a, they're a theory, uh, evolution is a theory, but I would, I would say... Um, very, very calmly and very confidently. No way. Has to be plausible. 
and it's definitely not plausible. And I'm going to be demonstrating that when we're together today and other, other days. But here's, I wanted to further evidence of the theory of evolution. Again, our ability to observe, we're all scientists here, our ability to repeat and observe things has demonstrated several things. Here was a statement made in 1818, the discussion of how things were created uh, and the possibility that things came about without intelligent influence. There was no God that created things, and they were created by natural processes and, and chance and other things. And uh, Bishop uh, William Paley in 1818 said this quote, the watch, talking about the you know, gold watch in his pocket, with its gears and springs and other mechanisms could never arise by the actions of random chance alone. Do you agree with that? So if I, I got a Timex watch, anybody got, I, I don't wear any more expensive watches because I'm really rough on stuff. And I've also found that expensive dive watches, quote-unquote, it says on their uh, 100M, I think they left off the, another M. It should be 100 millimeters, because I stuck a $500 watch to, end, to get a fish down below the 100 millimeters, and it, you know, poof. $30, though, wristwatch from, uh, from uh, Academy, uh, I've, I've been down, well... 30, I, my meters are bad, 30 meters for sure, 40 meters. And, uh, you know, it's got an I can go down there, it gets, it gets dark down there. You can just got this little indiglobal light, it's pretty cool. 30 bucks because I'm cheap, also because I, I don't like expensive stuff that breaks. But uh, what if I told you that I believe I was just out in the desert, or I was down at the bottom of the ocean, or whatever, and I found this watch. And I said, I believe this watch came about by chance. Would you believe me? I believe the sun, moon, and stars and the stardust from you know, a distant planet, and there was a spaceship that flew by at the same time, and the lightning struck, and whammo, it created a watch complete with, I mean, a dial that says Timex, uh, Indiglow, water resistant to 50 meters with a stamp on the back, and stainless steel. What would you think of me if I told you that? I think I was a nut. This is a very simple machine. It's what's called an open-loop servo. What that simply means is that you have uh, energy, which is in this case a battery, uh, powering a mechanism, which gives you a display. It shows me at uh, 15 after 9 on the 17th of uh, January. That's my display. But it's not self-adjusting. It's 30 bucks. So if it, the time changes or if uh, there's more than 31 days or less than 31 days, it shouldn't be 30, more than 31. If there's less than 31 days in a month, then I've got to go back and adjust it. February comes, you know, every other month comes, I've got to go back and adjust it. It's not self-adjusting. Some of you have watches that, that do that, these smart watches and stuff. I'll take care of all that for you. But this is what's called a simple open loop. The, the, the um, thermostats on the wall are similar machines, but they're, not, they're called closed loop. So you have uh, uh, power that goes to them. They affect a mechanism. That mechanism uh, affects uh, air conditioning system, which changes the ambient temperature. The, the difference between, which is, that's the same as more or less what a watch does. The difference is, is that ambient temperature affects a sensor inside the thermostat, which turns it off and on. So it closes the loop. Does that make sense? This one just drives one direction and nothing, nothing affects the, the display. So you have a closed loop, you have an open loop. These are very, very simple machines. We would never, ever in our wildest dreams think that these things came about by chance. It took intelligence. It took somebody with design. Can you design a watch? Can you design a thermostat? These are very simple machines. On the other hand, we have much more complicated, if you will, intelligent machines. I'm, I'm reading from one right now. You've got one in your pocket or in your purse. Uh, we call them smart machines, They're, and they are smarter than us. They can do all kinds of really cool things, among other things. They are Not only are they... Uh, they have a mechanism, they have energy, they have a display, but they also have the ability to self-modify, uh, self-program. Uh, they can self-diagnose. They tell you what's wrong with themselves. You can plug something into them. That you can somebody can um, uh, get in online and look at your your computer and tell you what's wrong with it. What we can't do, what we not, don't look at me because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. What what mankind has not been able to do is produce machines that are not just self-modifying, but also self-repairing and self-reproducing. That's the stuff of science fiction. That's what they make movies on. You know, these machines take over the whole world, and they use us as batteries, you know, if you watch The Matrix and, or any of these other movies. 
it's, it's the stuff of science fiction. We, we can't produce machines that are capable of doing this. So, so, so with that in mind, Bishop Paley says this. Here's the response of evolutionists in 1879, David Hume. Living systems only have the appearance of being machines. Okay, that's his assumption. He's wrong. Or we found out he was. Unless it can be proven that living systems are indeed machines at the molecular level, then Paley's argument is irrelevant. So here's Paley's argument. Remember, he just said no watch can create itself. You know, it has to be created by somebody smart. He says, well, there's, there's no comparison between the watch or any kind of machines and any cells in our bodies or a single-cell organism. Well, uh, he says, David Hume says this before there's microbiology, before there's electron microscopes and other things, and we found out not only are single-cell organisms and every cell inside your body, not only are they machines, they're very, very complicated ones. Because they can do what your smartphone can't do. They can not only, a single-cell organism, let's say an amoeba, not only can it self-repair, self-reproduce, self-modify, self-program, and self-diagnose. An amoeba, far dizzyingly more complicated than the watch on my arm, and yet if I told you that the watch on my arm was created by chance, and the moon dust and the stars and the chemicals all got in the right place, you'd call me a nut. But if, on the other hand, I tell you that the arm that the watch is on was created by chance, you call me a scientist. Like I said, don't be a moron. That is moronic. That is stupid. And to believe it is, like I said, in order to be, in order for this to be, in my opinion, to be a theory, it has to have plausibility. There's no plausibility in that. Don't let them talk you into thinking that you, you can't observe things and that you don't know stuff. I just showed you something that you know and something that we can all collectively know together. The, the notion is crazy. So, so let's, let's get to the Scriptures. A couple of words I want to point out to you today in the first chapter of Genesis, which are uh, going to be pivotal for us to understand. The, the issue of the Scriptures is not do we have the Scriptures, but do we know what they actually say? See, until we have the Scriptures correctly interpreted, you don't have God's Word. So if you, we're all sitting here with German Bibles, you got the scriptures. Do you know what it says? You may have some people that read German. I don't know. But uh, if you if you can't read German, do you actually have the Word of God? Well, unless it's communicated to you, you know you don't have it unless it's correctly interpreted. So let's let's make sure we correctly interpret what God has to say, and that's always our endeavor when we open up the scriptures. We're always trusting God that God oversees His Word, and God's bringing to us exactly what He wants us to know. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like I said, that's the the the, the Bible equation for how things got here. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And so we have in, that, in those two sentences, we have the first word that I want to talk to you about. That first word is the word in Hebrew, the word bara, B-A-R-A in, in English. Uh, used 33 times in the Old Testament, always applies to God, and it refers to taking from nothing and creating something. So one of the problems of evolution is, is they, they can't come up with the answer. Where did the... Where did stuff come from to evolve to where, you know, from the goo through the zoo to, to you? And your great-great-grandfather was a starfish. But where, where did the starfish get his guts from? Where, where did he get his chemicals? Where did he get his atoms and protons and neutrons and other subatomic uh, particles? Where, where, did, where did these things come from? There had to be something. It was uh, read, read, read something about several scientists who were overwhelmed with their advancements and being able to clone and gene research. And so... They said, we can create like God. And so they go to God, and they tell him this. And so God says, okay, go ahead, show me. So, so they reach down to grab some dirt. He says, uh-uh, go get your own dirt. So God created the dirt. It all the elements, everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Poof, out of what? Zilch, out of nothing. The Bible maintains that God created everything out of Nothing. There's no way to prove that. You're going to have to either believe it or you don't, and that's to you. But it very clearly teaches that. The other word that I want to point out to you is, is what we're going to see, which occurs multiple times in this chapter, but we can see it here in the, in the verse 3, or following. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness, verse 5, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and morning, one day, or day one. The, the word I want to point out to you is that word day. You might want to circle it in your Bible because it occurs at least seven times 
in uh, the book of Genesis. That word day is a very disputed word because people say, well, the word day, the word yom, actually in Hebrew, Yom Kippur, you're familiar with that possibly if you've been around Jews very long. Yom Kippur is a very important holiday for them. The Day of Atonement, Yom is the day part of that statement, phrase. The Day of Atonement, uh, the word Yom here, which is used in, in the Hebrew, is, is, like I said, a very important word because there's been so many arguments about it. Because the word is used in multiple ways, fashions, in the Old Testament. It can refer to a single day, a 24-hour day, or it can refer to an epoch of time, like, for instance, the Day of the Lord, which is, which is not an unusual phrase in the Old Testament. The day of the Lord is not referring to a single 24-hour day, but a, but a string of days, maybe even a string of years. In fact, I do, do believe that for sure. So, so could it be possible, here's the argument, that Yom in this case refers to not just a 24-hour day. Maybe, maybe God, maybe it's, it's saying uh, Yom, but it's referring to an epoch of time, maybe thousands, maybe millions of years. This is, this is the argument. And this, this is what was put to me when I was in college and say, well, couldn't have God have created... Uh, through evolution, because isn't it true that it's possible that this, this, the word yom here is uh, referring to an epoch of time? And, and the simple answer is, from a lot of research, is absolutely not. Again, we don't have the Word of God until we have it correctly interpreted. And if that's the way you interpret the Word of God, I'd just say uh, very confidently you're incorrect in your interpretation. And the reason why I say that is because I'm going to give you four reasons. Number one, first of all, is this a 24-hour day? Well, how does it read to you? There was evening, there was morning, day one. So if I said that to you personally, I, you know, the other day my wife and I went to Walmart and we left our, I don't know, our, uh, shop, our, our shopping cart out with my cell phone in it, and it was evening and it was morning. There was one day I went, what does that tell you? I went back the next day and found my cell phone, you know, celebrate with us. You wouldn't think by my conversation that it had been a week or a month or you would, because it's a simple conversation, unless I made it very clear some other way, there's only been, you know, been a less or 24 hours or less than 24 hours passed, and I found my cell phone again. Uh, I, I say that to simply say this: the scripture is, is written, God communicated to this to us in order so that we can understand, not to hide things, but to reveal things. It, it was written very plainly. The Hebrew language is a very plain language; it's not complicated. It's plain. Very. It's very similar to the English language. English language is. Uh, a little less plain, I guess I think I should say. But, but it's a very plain language as it compared to Koine Greek, which the New Testament was written in, which is a very complicated language, very, very specific language. But, but it's, it's written to communicate. So when Moses is writing this, and, and by the way, he wasn't there. He doesn't have any pictures. He doesn't have any proof. He's just simply by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what happened. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. His birth was formless and void. On the first day, he created the, the lights, and there was evening, there was morning the first day. What was Moses thinking when he wrote that down? What do you think? Was he thinking? Here's the suggestion. That must have taken millions of years. Of course not. Neither were the first people who read this. When he wrote this for the Jews... When they, when they said evening, morning, the first day, what were they thinking of? A 24-hour day, because that's the way you say it. Here, one of the keys of interpreting Scripture, number one, number one, let it say what it says. Number two, if what it says to you disagrees with the way they would have understood it when they originally wrote it or heard it, then you've got some changes to make. So we, we interpret things through the filter of living in the 21st century, and having our backgrounds in Western culture and all these things. And there's, there's problems with that because these were not written to people like us. They're not written to thinkers like us. They're written to people way back in other cultures. So we have to place ourselves in their culture, in their time. But this is really doesn't require any kind of cult, cultural interpretation. It, it, again, this is very It's like 2 plus 2 equals 4. In every culture, if I say evening and morning and there was one day, I don't know, is it different in Canada? I don't know, do they let y'all get away with something else up there? I don't know. It just means one day. So, first of all, just it, common sense makes perfect sense, then seek no other sense. Seek no other sense. If it says one day, then let it be what it is. Don't try to make it say something. Don't force into the, into the text something that it doesn't clearly say. Let it say what it says. Number two, so there's one of the reasons why we call it 24-hour day. Number two, God made a commandment based on these six consecutive or seven consecutive 24-hour days. And he, it, one of the Ten Commandments is based on this time period. Did you know that? 
Exodus 20. You know it. You know the commandment. Six days. How long are those six days? Six days you shall labor. Six, if I told you I'm going to be there in six days, what does that mean? Unless I'm some kind of I'm speaking in code. Well, you're going to be showing up in six days, and I won't be there because I'm speaking in code. I should have told you, right? But otherwise, if it's not in code, six days means six days. In Canada and Europe and, and South Africa, six days is six days. Six days you shall labor. These are plain old people just like us. They're farmers. They're ranchers. They live off the land. They, they don't have air conditioning. They're, they're, they're common sense people. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. What does that mean? you got six days to do it. And on the seventh day, which is what? The seventh 24-hour consecutive day. It's the Sabbath day. The Lord your God. Why does God place this commandment in, the, in that order in those number of days? For in what? Six days. In other words, six 24-hour consecutive days. The Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh 24-hour consecutive day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It's, they're, they're, they're directly proportional to each other. This one was six 24-hour consecutive days, therefore that's the way I did it, therefore this is the way you're going to do it. These were not ambiguous millions of years, thousands of years. People say all that, I'm just telling you. You can believe whatever you want, but please do not say the Scriptures say what you think they say. You can, I'm, you can just fool yourself all you want to. Believe whatever you want to do. But don't say what the Scriptures clearly do not say. They don't teach millions of years. Well, then I don't believe the Bible. That's your business. That is your total business. But don't make the Scriptures say something that they clearly do not say. Another problem with saying this is anything other than 24-hour consecutive day, is, is again, back to this word yom. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, whenever a number, the word yom can refer to epoch of time. Like I said, the, Lord, the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, is obviously years, explaining, or used to explain a number of years. Unless the word yom is used in particular with a number, it's really up to the, up to the interpreter to decide whether this is a 24-hour day. But when it is used, without exception in your Old Testament, when the word yom is used in conjunction with a number like one or two, it always refers to a 24-hour day without exception. Again, we don't have the Word of God until we have it correctly interpreted. That's the correct interpretation. Say you don't believe it. Knock yourself out. But don't say it doesn't say it, because it clearly does. Here's another problem. So if you're going to say, here's like some people say, that they, and we're going to talk about the gap theory, not, not today, but, but next time. Because one of the big, um, I would say, lies or deceptions that have been produced in the church and preached from pulpits, and again, I'm not against these guys, and I know they were under a lot of pressure because we have been under a lot of pressure of thinking somehow that these evolutionists were scientists, and they're not. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say that. They were probably scientists. They're just what they were feeding us was not science. And so under that kind of pressure, they began to uh, acquiesce and say, well, maybe there was a gap between the days, you know, so they were 24-hour, but they weren't necessarily consecutive, and there were millions, maybe billions of years between these days. And so God created in these uh, sections of time, a 24-hour day, then a million years, and a 24-hour day, then a billion years. You hear what I'm saying? It's called the gap theory. The problem with that theory is that uh, you don't have a wooden leg to stand on if you're going to go by what the Scriptures actually say. Oh, it doesn't say it either way. Oh, yes, it most definitely does. Uh, Adam and Eve were created on what day? The sixth day, somewhere, I don't know, toward the end or in the middle. How long do those days last? So some people say millions of years. Some people say there's millions of years gaps between the days. But the Scripture says that Adam and Eve were created sometime in the sixth day. They lived over the gap between the two days, if there is such a thing. And they lived all the way through the seventh day. And yet all that and Adam only accumulates, what does it say? All the days of Adam lived were 930 years? Hmm. Where's your million-of-year argument and the gaps between the days and the days lasting long of that? How could he have lived millions of years and get only this many years accumulated in the Scriptures? See, again, say you don't believe it. That's your business. Don't say it doesn't say it. It's very clear. These are, these are seven 24-hour consecutive days. Don't got to believe it. But you do have to say that's what it says. You're just, it just locked, you're just locked in. There's no other way. Make it say anything else. Again, if it does not say what it clearly does say, 
then whatever you say it means is meaningless to me and to the rest of us. There is no way to know. Because it's just plain language, and you can believe it or not. So, so back, back to our issue of evolution versus creation. How much time has there been? Really? I mean, we have, we're going we're gonna to get, and I know about radiometric dating, we're going to talk about carbon-14, and we're going to do those not today. We're going to talk about the problems with that. Again, if, if, um, w when you hear a number from carbon-14, I'll just give you a primer. Uh, you hear a number about carbon-14, I will, I will tell you this, they're asking you to believe something. In fact, quite a bit of stuff. Carbon-14 is not facts. It is a belief. Again, their system is a belief system. Carbon-14 is not very accurate. If, if you were at Home Depot and your son was here working on the house for you and he sent you and said, I need a board 16 feet long, have them cut, a, a, I don't know, a, a 2 by 8 16 feet long, and so they measure a, a board 16 feet and they cut it and you bring it here, and the slot he's got is 20 feet long. What are you going to do? Cut it again? No. Say, so, well, why did you measure 20? Well, I, I got your tape measure out, Dad, and I measured the hole. You pull out the measurement, and the measurement on your tape measure shows 16 feet. So you call the guy back at Home Depot and say, what the heck? I wanted a 16-foot board, and, I mean a 16-foot a, a board, and you gave me like a 14-foot board. He says, no, you go down there and compare them. His tape measure is not the same as your tape measure. Then what do you do? If, we don't, if everybody has their own tape measure, there is absolutely no way that we can get, unless I do it all myself, I can't have anybody, I can't communicate in any way, I can't tell you how to build anything or how to do anything, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is a, a, a good illustration of carbon-14 dating. It absolutely has no rules. We're going to get to that. But let's get to this. How much time has there been? Evolutionary thinkers believe that there have been billions of years for life to form on Earth. And so, has anybody ever asked the question, is that even possible? See, without billions of years, evolution, if forgive me, has no, hasn't a prayer. For, for time and chance to have taken us from the goo through the zoo to you, like I said, you are going to have to have billions upon billions upon billions of years. Has anybody bothered to raise a hand and say, is there any proof of that? Like actual proof, not a belief that you believe it was that long? Because that's what they have. That's all they've got to offer you. You can believe it too. I believe there are billions. Okay, knock yourself out. I don't have a problem with that. Believe whatever you want to. But is there actual legitimate proof? Actually, the answer to that question is the proof, the real scientific proof, says just the opposite, that there has not been. There could not have been. Millions, much less billions of years. Here's some science for you. Uh, hard scientific evidence. Jack Eddy of Harvard-Smithsonian Center of Astrophysics and Research, scientist, and a mathematician by the name of Aram Barnazian, also a scientist, determined through scientific research that the sun is shrinking one-tenth of one percent per century. Because why? It's a ball of fuel. You have a ball of fuel underneath your car right now. It's less, there's less fuel in that tank than wherever you were before you left to come here this morning. When you, have, you had your coffee and you got in the car, there was more fuel in your tank because that's what happens to fuel when you crank something up and burn it. You've burned it down. So the sun hanging out there in space is this gigantic ball of fuel, and it stands to reason that it's burning. So it's less than it was sometime in the past. So you go back 1,000 years, uh, 2,000, 20,000, a million years. So, so, the, so, so the sun is shrinking because you're burning it, and therefore if we go back in the past, we can extrapolate and know how big the sun was. Again, we know this by science. So here's... Here's, here's the issue. So it's shrinking one-tenth of one percent, uh, which works out to be about five feet per day, which is no big deal because it's 840,000 miles wide. So five feet per day, I'm thinking it's going to outlive you. You're going to be fine. It's gonna, in fact, it's got enough fuel there to last for millions of years unless we have some kind of supernova or something else, uh, some kind of other event. So if you follow the Bible's view of things and believe the universe has only been here plus or minus 7,000 years, you don't have a problem. Because all you have in the shrinkage of the sun in the past 7,000 years is about 6%. But you very much do have a problem if you believe in an ancient earth. That is billions or even millions of years. Because let me, let me give you the math. Again, we, it's not a, not a matter of speculation. It's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of science. Here you go. Here, here's the math for you. So 100,000 years ago, the sun would have been twice its size. 
You want to talk about global warming? That is global warming. Twice the size that it is today, 100,000 years ago, just incrementally adding what we know by scientific method, how much it's burning and losing. We just go back in time. So 100,000 years ago, the sun is twice the size. That's a problem. That's a problem for evolution. It's a problem for anything living on this planet that doesn't have shade or air conditioning. And even then. But, but here's where it really gets big. So 20 million years ago, we're nowhere close to billions, or hundreds of millions, or 200 million when it says we evolved 200 million years ago. There's a huge problem with that. 20 million years ago, the sun, the diameter of the sun, so we have the sun in the center of the solar system, right? And our planet is zipping around like a little electron, you know, zipping around like that. The, the sun, two, 20 million years ago, the diameter of the sun was almost the size of the cur Earth's current orbit. So, so tell me how we're supposed to evolve on a planet that's touching the face of the sun. It's just math. But nobody bothers to answer the question, ask the question. Is it possible we could have been here 20 million, 500 million, 3 billion, 5 billion years? The answer is no. Like I said, it's, you know, say you don't believe the Bible, that's fine, but you've got no business believing in evolution. It's just totally ridiculous. It's totally washed up. It doesn't work. The math on it doesn't work. And evolutionary response is predictably puzzling. Here's what they say. Of course, they, they're not stupid. They, they can do math. They say, oh, well, the answer is, is that something was different in the universe in the past. Well, that's very convenient. <laughs> that's extremely convenient. So I don't, you know, so the math says that it's shrinking by five feet a day, but sometime in the past it didn't shrink. So, okay, you can say whatever you want to, believe whatever you want to, but can you prove that? The answer is, mm-mm. At the same time, on one side of their mouth, they're saying, oh, well, it was not shrinking in the past, but it is today. On the other side, they, they harp on this whole principle of what they call static equilibrium. Everything has always been exactly the way it currently is. Carbon-14 is being produced exactly like it always has been. It's been absorbed into animals and plants just like it always has been. There's never been a change. There's never been an issue. There's never been any fluctuations in all that. They intentionally ignore things like, for instance, the global flood, which, by the way, would skew all the numbers. A global flood would produce tremendous amounts of carbon. Tremendous amounts of problems with carbon-14 would have blacked out the sun, would have, anyway, all these other issues that you have, and they intentionally, and Peter tells us that, they, they intentionally ignore these things. So, but again, they, we believe, and really, honestly, there's quite a bit of proof in a global catastrophic flood. They don't believe those things, and so they, have, they come to these different things. So, so science demonstrates that the extrapolated size of the sun in the past means that there's no such thing as millions of years for us. Just not. Again, their explanation is, well, things were different in the past. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Here's another, here's another science uh, factoid for you. So another scientist uh, right here in, in Texas. We have uh, about 10 smart people in Texas. <laughs> and the rest of us, or I don't know, Dr. Thomas Barnes, professor of physics, or was, at University of Texas, determined through scientific methods that the magnetic field, and I get this, so, so the pull that it has on the solar system, on our planet, and other things, keeps us in orbit. The magnetic field of the sun has a half-life of 1,400 years. So that's, but that's not the same. So that's a, tr that's a tremendous difference. It's, it's exponential difference compared to the size of the sun shrinking. So the size of the sun is shrinking only by five feet, but the magnetic field of the sun is shrinking in an exponential fashion. So without a magnetic field, we, you know, the, the Earth goes flying off into the solar system, and we go to, uh, um, you know, uh, completely dead because we've gone to absolute zero because we're away from our sun, which gives us heat, and the only thing that keeps us alive. So 1,400, in other words, 1,400 years ago, the sun would have been the magnetic field of the sun would have been twice as strong. That's the math. So 1,400 years ago, that's about the time that uh, Mohammed's writing his demonic text over there in the Middle East. The, sun, the magnetic pull of the sun was twice as powerful as it is today. 825 B.C. was 2,800 years ago. It would have been four times as strong. Like I said, it's exponential. So not a problem. 225 B.C., it was eight times greater than it is today. Again, you say, well, what's the magnetic pull? What has it got to do with stuff? Well, once it reaches a certain level, it overcomes the power of the earth to keep us on the planet. That's a problem. 
the magnetic pull of a of another celestial uh, uh, body is more powerful than the mag- magnetic pull of the Earth or the, what keeps it in its spin, and you got real issues. So here here's a big issue. So you go back. 10,000 years ago, if there was, the magnetic field of the sun would have been so strong, it would have been almost impossible to have life on earth. So we're not even close to millions. Just 10,000. Again, this is, this is somebody's scientific findings. It's not conjecture. 20,000 years ago, it would have been 8,000 times as strong as it is today. If things are the way they are, if there's, no, if there's static equilibrium like these guys claim, and it would have been 8,000 times as strong. You know what that would have done? The Earth's core mantle would have separated. There's the math for you. There's math, but nobody about bothers to ask, ask the question, could we have been here billions of years? We just assume these guys know what they're talking about, and gals. And they don't. They believe something, and they search for ways to prove what they believe. They're not interested in the truth. They're interested in what backs up what they've already concluded. That's not science. It's not science. We're the same way. We're all biased people. All have our conclusions. We go look for proof for our conclusion. We throw out the stuff that doesn't agree with what we already believe. It's very hard to be unbiased. Just this. So as we as we criticize them, we need to criticize ourselves. But I want to, I want you to consider. So if if you're it's it's fine to be biased as long as your bias is based on the truth, right? So there's nothing wrong with being biased about God if God, in fact, is true, which, in fact, He is. So what happened to us? How did we get to the place where we are today? Well, I want to put up a... Uh, in fact, I think I put it on the screen, didn't I? Yep. So Romans chapter 1, I love to go to these passages because Paul just really sums up our condition so well and where we are and why we think the way we do and why it, did we get off into nutty stuff like like evolution. Well, it's explained in some really clear words here. Romans chapter uh, 1, verses uh, 20 through 25, and I left out a few verses. I think I left out one verse in the middle of this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what? Has been made. So, So why was Darwin so desperate to come up with another system? And why did so many people take it down hook, line, and sinker? Because they don't want to answer to the one who created them. And so the biggest testimony that has always been, always been before there ever was a Bible or ever was that circulation of anything like that, uh, the fact that we were created by someone is the evidence that's all around us. Again, you have these same people who are looking at the same evidence we look at and say there isn't a God. How do they get to that conclusion? Like I said, they had to invent a system that explained it away for them, enough to where they would believe it. And it's not science. It is a belief system. They have been clearly seen but through what has been made so that people are what? Without excuse. So God, even though evolutionists believe evolution, God's not giving them a break on that. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became few. That's, the, that's what happens to us. So, so God comes to you and God speaks to you and God reveals Himself to you through creation and through His Scriptures and everything. The, the problem is, is that after that you will not be able to remain neutral. You will not be able to remain the same as you were, the, the, a still. You were as open as you possibly could be to something other than what you previously thought at that point. But from this point on, because you didn't believe what God revealed to you, you will be less able to believe. The reason why we have, we know statistically, that the younger a person believes in Christ, the better, a better chance we have of getting a, to a person with the message of Christ is the younger we get them. Because the older they get, the more staunch they are in, in the stuff that they, they figure. That it's just, it's, it becomes ingrained. Literally, it becomes these electrical paths in a brain. All they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, but they gave Him... Uh, they, nor did they give thanks to him. The preacher, I think, this past Sunday said something about that, didn't he? That's important. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So futile thinking and darkened hearts is why we have a system called evolution. Very simply. All they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they are. I mean, no, no more than, no less than us. I mean, the only reason why you have anything going for you is because God intervened in your life and brought you to the truth. And anything you have going on for you is because God put that into you. 
But forgive me, you're just as dumb and ignorant as they are. We're just that way. Sin has sin just affected us greatly. Never think you're better than them. They just, by, by the grace of God, you chose the things that God brought to you, and they disagree with what you believe. And they confronted you, and they made you feel sorry for, and wished, you wished you could keep your own stuff, and they do too. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. One of the, one of the major tenets of a very, of committed evolutionist is the belief in their, their God is chance. Their God is the cosmos. The cosmos is what brought us here. It's the will of the cosmos. That's how we came here. They, they absolutely have no ex, no no mathematical or scientific explanation for how we got here. How, where did dust come from that we could be evolved out of the dust? They have no explanation for that whatsoever. But the cosmos willed this. And by the way, now, and I'm just warning you, uh, because they're, they're able to do math and they're smart, smarter than we are in many cases, they're able to do math and see all these things. They're, they have to come up with other, other ways. So, so we didn't evolve on the planet anymore. That's where this thing is headed. We were placed here. Are you ready? By extraterrestrials. That now is under the heading of science. No, that, no, absolutely. It used to be, you know, the little old lady with the curlers out there. I saw it come over the chicken house, and it flew right over, and I was thinking the last time I saw her, she had my frying pan, and, you know, on television. It used to be those kind of people on television. Now it's guys in white lab coats with all kinds of letters after their name telling you that we were placed here by aliens. We didn't evolve on this planet because, like I said, the science says we couldn't have evolved here. The math doesn't work. So, so we came from somewhere else. We were placed here as lower forms. I don't know, monkeys or starfish or something. And we have, and we, because they, they think, well, maybe we've had time, enough time. Chance, you know, has given us enough time for that to happen. Again, what are they doing? Exactly what Paul said they would do. Worship and serve the created things. So they believe in created things. They believe in the power of the created things. They don't believe in the power of the one who created those things. They completely write them off. It is very much, they, they very much are deceived. Very much. Very much is the devil, very much is demons. These are doctrines of demons. And, and, uh, and you say, well, Pastor Bill, you're a conspiracist. Oh, I definitely am. I very much. In fact, the biggest conspiracy is not on the physical level. It's on the spiritual level. And to not take that into account and hear what Jesus has to say in your writers of the New Testament. You are in a world of hurt, I promise you. So, we'll stop right there. i got a lot more. We're going to have to fill in the rest of our time together. We're going to look at this guy next time. You know who he is, right? Of course, not me neither, but we're going to talk about him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Questions, I'm sorry, that I can answer. Come on, make me look good. Come on, somebody. Questions, something. Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you hear what he said? So, so except if we accept the logic that that the aliens brought us here, then who who created the aliens? And that's again, again, it's just uh, it, it's just you know, they're it's just extending the lie to them. And again, they're. I, I, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm upset with evolutionists on one hand. On the other hand, I feel very sorry for them because they, they, believe they believe their own stuff. The person I'm mad at is the used car salesman that knows this car doesn't run right, but he's trying to sell it to me anyway. That's not the evolutionists. The evolutionists believe their stuff with all their hearts. They're very much deceived. And uh, they very much need the grace of God. They need the eye-opening uh, experience of, of experiencing God to come to the truth. And apart from that, they will not know it. But, but again, like I said, it's, it, it, becomes, it becomes a circular reasoning kind of thing. So we still have the problem of how do the aliens you know, get us here, and then where do the aliens come from, and you know, all that. But again, it just extends the argument past our ability to be able to explain things, which is the ultimate end of things. The devil doesn't operate in the area of truth because the truth explains it. it, it, it it's like turning on the light and you've got cockroaches. Well, you didn't know you had them until you turned on the light. But now you all know. So when you turn on the light, the devil has nowhere to go. But so so everything is in the dark. It's somewhere way back there where we couldn't we couldn't know. We have no pictures. It's millions and billions of years. It came from another planet, from another solar system, from another this or that. And now that's all under the heading of science. And so uh, just just uh, my my responsibility isn't to uh, 
come up with, there's, there's so many ways that a, crook can be, that, a, that a stick can be crooked to come up with all the answers to all that. My responsibility is to tell you, here's, here's what the jumping off place is. And as soon as they say believe, oof, no more science. Poof, not to open a can of worms, but that's what they're asking you to do about global warming. You have to believe it. I know some of you got problems with that, and I, you, know, you just got yourself a problem. But uh, global warming. So they can't tell me this. And I'm, I am mad at these people because I, I know they know they're liars, and they're still doing it because they want to tax us on it. By the way, I told, if, if I'm going to send it to Washington and tell them that the sun is shrinking and we're going to have to tax everybody and get enough hydrogen together and pump, the, pump it over to the... But we don't want the sun to go out, so it's now it's the other way around. It's still global warming. It's going to, you know, going downhill. Don't tell those people because they'll try to tax us. But anyway, so so global warming, they can't tell me they can't tell me how the weather's going to be in ten days exactly, but they can tell me how it's going to be in fifty years, and they want to charge me. So then I start getting mad. That's when I start having real problems. So, but anyway, it, we live in a deceived world, and it doesn't do us any good to get mad. We need to get sad, and we need to get on our knees. And, uh, and ask God to uh, use us and open their eyes. I think there was a hand back there. Yes, ma'am, very back. In uh, talking to my grandchildren about going to church and Bible is true, yeah. their answer is, but we know there were dinosaurs. Sure. So uh, your Bible doesn't talk about this, but I think that's not true. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> that's not true. So. One of uh, and I've got I've got before I can get get back to Montana I've got to go over here to Ohio. Go ahead, Illinois. Same thing. Well, it's it's one state over. It's one state over. Okay, go ahead. Let's see, Ohio. Yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Are you one of the ten smart guys in Texas then? No. <laughs> My brother is. I got a brother who's smart. The professor at the, in Texas that you were referring to, was he a Christian or was he trying to come up with a theory that says that eventually we're not going to have enough gravity? Oh, he wasn't that yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think he's now passed away. But there, these are not these are not rare uh, findings of of science. They're all out there, and they get published, but they just don't promote them because, like I said, the 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 mantra. The 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 um, the narrative is that evolution is true, and so these things that very cl clearly demonstrate that evolution isn't true tanks all these research papers and all these books and all this again follow the money where the money is, and so and and that's part part of the like I said with millions of reasons to find uh, the missing link they found it. Because if we don't find it, we don't get those millions of reasons put into our pocket. And so you find it, and, and, and you create stuff out of thin air. So I, I'm going to have to go. Yes, Debbie. Like I said, it was a little old lady with the curlers <laughs> 20 years ago. And today it's a scientist telling us that. That actually has been going on for a while. Oh, yeah. Where the process with Montana was asking me back there. I don't know. They're in Montana because that's why the state's so big. Not but 300 people up there. All right. Yes, sir. Montana. I'm sorry. I know your name. That's where all the smart Texans go. There was a thing going around that was cooling. I remember that. No, actually, I do remember that. Yeah, they were afraid we were going in the ice age in the 70s and 60s. I know. Yeah, it's all to keep us off of, in my opinion, off of, off, out of kilter, and uh, and in fear, and, and in fear we, we make bad decisions, and, and uh, powerful people, and I, I, and again, I, I, I feel sorry for people, but there's, there's a real devil behind all this, so. Yes, ma'am. What do you say to people who say, since God created the heavens and the earth, could he not also have created other galaxies where there are other people? Yeah, and I would say, sure. <laughs> what, what do you say to people who say, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, could God not create other galaxies and other earths and all that stuff? And I, yeah, I'd say, sure, he can do anything he wants to. That's not my problem. My problem is my relationship with God and the fact that I'm a sinner 
and the fact that God sent Jesus to die in my place. So he, to, me, to me, if anything, the fact that Jesus died and became a human being eliminates him from becoming an alien somewhere to die from some other, or some other race. So from biblical, just, just a biblical straightforward, I would say, nah. But God can do whatever he wants to. So, yes, sir? To me, that happens means all the galaxies, everything that's Yeah, created heavens and earth, everything. That's all right. I say is, so Leanne and I was in uh, Washington, D.C. last spring, and we went to the, first we went to the Bible Museum, and uh, very few people, very great place. If you've never been there, you need to go. Bible Museum, Museum. yes. Bible Museum. Yeah. Uh, funded by donations. Uh, but very few people there, very few, same time of day. So we walked down around the corner to the National History Museum at the Smithsonian, and there was hundreds of people there. Yeah. Yeah. And what was sad is there's a family tree at the very end when you go through the maze about the size of that wall, and it starts out a single cell, yeah. and it goes to the apes, and then your family ends up at the top. Yeah. And it's amazing that how many mothers were standing there in awe with their kids, saying, "Look, little dude, yes. look how we started." It's, it's, we've been, we've been, we've been, <laughs> we've been taught that these are as these are as being facts, and they're just not. Yeah, for sure. As opposed to the donations, right place. And there was somebody. No. Yes, sir. Our society today is, in a way, that you can believe what you believe, and truth is kind of relative to where I'm at. I'm right. going to respond to people that force me to say, "Well, this I there believe." There are absolutes. Yeah, this is the Bible I believe. I guess yeah. I don't. I mean, well, I mean, well, I've been saying it here. You're welcome to believe whatever you want to. The, the 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 whole conclusion that there are no absolutes is asinine, though. That's that's actually not not very good. That just doesn't fit logic. So my answer to a person who says there are no absolutes, I'm saying, are you absolutely sure of that? <laughs> Wait, you know, because then you're telling me that there is absolutes, which is defeating the argument that you just made that there aren't any absolutes, which is oof. You know, gone again. We're 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 getting dumber. We're not evolving. We really aren't. We're not evolving uh, physically. We're not evolving socially. We're not evol evolving, even though they say that. We're not evolving language. I mean, old languages. Read these old languages. They were far more complicated. People were much smarter in the past. The evidence is real clear. Look at the stuff they could build, like pyramids and other things. Line them with the stars. Can you even line your car out there with the stars? <laughs> Me neither. They could align superstructures that way with no, none of the technology we have today. They were smart. We're not evolving. No evidence of that. We're, we're getting dumber. Yeah, a lot dumber in some cases. Okay. Yes, sir? Is the, uh, does the Southern Baptist Convention support, uh, you know, six-day creationism? I, I, don't, I don't know if I can speak for the whole... I, I, I don't. I really don't know, honestly. I don't know really the answer for that. I kind of don't get involved with the Southern Baptist Convention, even though we're Southern Baptists here, because there's nothing further south. But there's there's nothing. <laughs> well, we we we, are, we affiliate with Southern Baptist Convention in the sense that we send we we go together to send missionaries and and other things. I just don't know. I have never heard their their position. I would hope that their position is 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 the same. Was but I don't have my abacus with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I had some of their material when I was teaching Sunday school. This wasn't a long time ago, and it, it was kind of like, well, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, you know. And it kind of had the gap. The gap theory was a big. I can tell you in Baptist circles, the gap theory was a big was a big thing because I was taught that in Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches. I would hope that they've gone away with that. I don't know so too. What we believe, here's some other foolish beliefs, but hopefully you would think they would. I would hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't put a lot into denominations. I just don't because I know denominations as a whole can be swung. It's individual churches and it's up to the pastors and leaders of the church to determine. The, the name out in the front doesn't mean anything. No, they're not. They, they say they can't, you know, the, it says this, but it, that, that's not what it really means. What it means is God was really intended that, you know, that uh, two men could get married or whatever, you know, the way the weird things that are getting interpreted today. Um, no, it doesn't say that, you know, and don't say you're a Bible teacher or a Bible church when, you, when you're teaching things like that because you're making the Bible say something it doesn't say, clearly doesn't say. 
Okay. Let's uh, let's pray together, and uh, we will head out. Thank you so much, God, for uh, your word. Help us, God, uh, to humble ourselves. Help us, God, to have a uh, accurate estimation of what's really going on uh, in our brains, uh, in our world. Help us not to put faith in things that don't deserve faith. Uh, not, uh, not that people necessarily, all of them, are liars, but we are living in a deceived world and a dark place. And help us to take things with a grain of salt and be very careful. Uh, lead us, God, out of the places where we're still in the darkness and we're still confused. Uh, we trust you for that. Thank you for our time we've been together, God. We pray for wisdom to know how to conduct ourselves in these days. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.